This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to Sports Better's Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network. All right, a little college football with Bruce Marshall from VegasInsider.com, CBSSportsLine.com, BAMSports.net. And uh, with Orioles, uh, hat on, Bruce, and boy, uh, Brooks Robinson, huh? Wait a minute. I'm, I'm explaining it to my son yesterday. 16 gold gloves in a row? I mean, <laughs> I mean my goodness. Uh, wow. I know. This is honoring uh, Brooks. He was one of my uh, favorite players, and uh, – you know, that 1970 World Series sticks out like a beacon, although his whole career was stuff like that. But he also, with his bat, uh, he hit 429 in that series. A couple homers, a couple big RBIs. It, so it was also his bat along with his glove in 1970. I rarely saw a, 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 a never saw a third baseman dominate a series or any player dominate a World Series other than maybe Madison Bumgarner. But he didn't play every game the way Brooks did in 1970. The Reds just... Uh, could not solve him, and uh, uh, he did that all throughout his career. And from everything I've heard, he was a very, very good guy, too. Everybody liked him. Yeah, uh, and uh, the Orioles uh, get closer to clinching that American League East uh, in the, yeah. the number one overall seed uh, yeah. with Chris Bassett's eight innings, eight innings of shutout ball. Brucey and I, I'm just going to warn you guys, we're in line thinking this week, so – We'll see, but here we go. We're going to start on Friday night. And it uh, didn't surprise me that Oregon State went into the Palouse and uh, got ambushed a little bit there. Uh, it was not as close as the final score indicated. Uh, Washington State gate to wire in this one, had a 17-point lead and, and played to just milk the clock, and Oregon State scored a couple last minute. Talk about – it drives me crazy, but, you know, the, the too much credit and too much blame for quarterbacks. And they talk about DJU coming over. Oh, well, DJU's doing so much better over here. He's okay, all right? He's fine. He gives them a chance because he does have a live arm. He can make some downfield throws. But it is this offensive line. It is Martinez. They are averaging over six yards per, ca- uh, per carry on the ground as a team. And they did that in Pullman as well. So they come back home where they're much tougher. Utah, man, they are winning with smoke and mirrors with this thing, trying to buy time for Cameron Rising. He's splitting reps this week. He's expected to start for Utah. But if he has been a game-time decision this long, he's not going to be 100%. Oregon State minus 3.5 on Friday night. Yeah, the, the, the news is the same from Salt Lake City as it was last week. He splits reps, first-team reps in practice with Nate Johnson, but he waits to get cleared to play by the medical staff, and they haven't given that to him yet. Uh, he did practice pregame uh, last week. He was out in the field against UCLA, but he didn't play again. And you're right, whenever he does get back in there, he's going to have a lot of rust to shake off. And for the time being with Johnson, they are winning. My thought is as long as they keep winning with Johnson, they'll probably keep playing him. 
but uh, they're doing it with a bulletproof offense. I mean, not too risky. They rank 112th in total offense. They're doing it uh, with their uh, with their defense, which really shut down UCLA last week. Now, for the Beavers here, first of all, this this is all of a sudden now very. There's some urgency now. They, they their whole season. If you lose this game, then it starts heading down the LA Bowl path. They think they're going to be they're a much better team than that this season. That uh, line, like you say. Really, really good. And uh, Fenwick, along with Martinez, gives them a nice one-two. Fenwick had some nice runs last week, too. And uh, these guys are gaining combined over seven yards per carry. Uh, so uh, dynamic running. DJU, uh, he, he's better, and he gives them a little more life at quarterback than last year with Nolan and Gilbranson. Uh, but I, I agree with you. I, I mean, he's not the guy to put them over the top, but he gives them a little bit more than he did uh, last year. Um, but the dynamics are completely different here. Uh, than they were last week, uh, especially for Utah. Home fields mean something in some of these Pac-12 oh. venues. They certainly yes. does with Utah. They're not the same team on the road. They were life and death with Baylor a couple of weeks ago down in Waco, and the same Baylor that got smoked last week by by Texas, and they really could have lost that game to Baylor. Uh, so now they're out in the road, and Oregon State really needs this one. And uh, their record at home versus the point spread has been exceptionally good uh, You know, the last couple of years. Uh, last year uh, in particular. So I think the Beavers get them. It's Friday night, Corvallis. It's going to be a buzzing there. And uh, I can't count on Utah to do much with this offense. This is not like the UCLA game. This is going to be totally different. Oregon State's got a real defense too. And I think the Beavers win and cover. And, and look, Utah is, I mean, sometimes you, I don't overcomplicate it. I, I, I will never bet against them when they're at Salt Lake City. I'll never bet, bet on them when they're away. And, I mean, it's a big – I don't know of another team in college football, 133, whatever, how many Division One teams there are this year. It is – there's not a bigger split uh, as far as – and the odds makers, you know, they reflect it to a degree, but they don't like to – they don't like to overreact. But Utah is winning these games with smoke and mirrors at home against Florida and UCLA. At home, take away the big bomb to start the season on that Thursday night against Florida. It's 200 yards against Florida. It's 200 yards against UCLA. I mean, no, they they are just trying to buy time to their leader gets back in there and gets healthy. I love Oregon State in this spot as well, minus three and a half. And yes, Paul Stone and I, we, we had a tough beat, but Baylor should have won the game. I mean, certainly should have covered, but they should have won the game. Hey, get extra value this football season with Bet River Squares. You can win up to $10,000 in bonus money. Bet $10 in same-game parlays on any square with the squares icon to earn a square. Brought to you by our friends over at Bet Rivers. All right, next two games. We're looking at some, probably the best two games in college football last week. The atmosphere was off the charts. And you know what? The home, the home teams played inspired football. But you know what it is? It's college football. You have an emotional gas tank. And boy, as much as you use up one week, you have that much less in the tank the following week. Really tough spot here for Clemson. Another one. Should have won. I had Florida State. I'll, I'll be fortunate to win that game, okay? But they uh, they blew it somehow, some way. Clemson now on the road at Syracuse is laying seven. Syracuse 3-0-1 against the spread. I know you're familiar with him, but you gotta love their new acquisition at defensive coordinator Bruce. I know you've been a big proponent of this guy for a long time. 
Yeah, Rocky Long really, uh, really added something there to, to Syracuse, and and he sort of taught the same scheme. It was one of his uh, disciples who was there before him. But now they've got the standard bearer for that three-three-five, and 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 Syracuse's defense. It's the top twenty defense this year. I mean, it's been a long time since Syracuse has been ranked top uh, defense. By the way, history lesson here: best defense of all time, nineteen fifty-nine Syracuse national title year allowed 193 yards rushing all season so that's the standard okay at Syracuse so we're not quite to that level but they are playing much better on defense and Garrett Schrader on offense those his stats aren't overwhelming yet this season but this is the new style of quarterback we're seeing uh, he's very mobile I mean he can throw I mean we might see him in the NFL uh, next year because he's that sort of new quarterback who is a real dual threat and, and Dino Babers has as you, he's gone sort of back and forth with the styles of offense he's used, um, and uh, Schrader gives him a little bit something more dynamic. They do; they're trying to throw more. He does take off running a lot from the pocket, but this makes them a little bit unpredictable on offense too, and tougher to defend. Dino though has played Clemson very tough over the past several years, and usually, by the way, the other Syracuse thing to note: usually in recent years, the second half of the season is when Syracuse starts to wear down some. The depth sort of. Uh, impacts them when they start having some injuries, but it's still September on Saturday, and uh, they haven't had too many injury problems yet, but they have given Clemson a lot of trouble, even beaten them in recent years. Last year, good example, that game, they had the lead well into the fourth quarter, and Klubnik had to come off the bench last week to give, uh, last year to give Clemson uh, the win, but he's covered five of the last six against Dabo, and uh, the only one he didn't was in the COVID year of 2020. They have a history against these guys, and they are very tough to beat up there uh, in the Dome. And we talked about this uh, last week, uh, Jimmy, after the Clemson game. This team has a death wish this season, I'm afraid. They've had two big fumbles go the other way. One went for a scoop and score for Florida State. The other one went almost 100 yards against Duke when they were ready to tie that game in the opener. Uh, some of Garrett Riley's play calling, I'm not sure about late in the game. He does, he's not a TCU anymore like he was last year, where he had to come up with some gimmicks and some things. Poor play calling in the sequence in overtime there, I thought. They missed a very short field goal that would have put them ahead with a minute and a half to go against Florida State. It's not oh, a game they should have lost. 29 yarder. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, but they, they've had problems with Syracuse in the past. And this might be Dino's best Syracuse team he's had. Um, and then we're at the Dome, and you talk about the emotional stuff. Yeah, it's tough to come back, especially when you lose a game like that, and go out on the road the next week. Not ideal scheduling here for Clemson. I think the Q's has a chance to uh, pull uh, the upset like Dino has done before over Clemson, and plus the seven points at the Dome makes the Orange look very, very interesting. Uh, Paul Stone uh, jumped on uh, Armory plus 14. I got it at 13 and a half. It closed at 13. So we're fortunate that we hit that 80-yard bomb uh, uncharacteristically for Army to backdoor cover that thing. But they started off the game. They got the opening kickoff. Went 17 plays, 75 yards. Well, Rocky Long adjusted things, and they didn't do anything. 115 yards all in between until they hit that 80-yard bomb. Kind of a fluke play uh, at the end. So in-game adjustments, too, no problem uh, for Rocky Long because it looked like it might be a long day and a look-ahead spot uh, for Syracuse last week against the Cadets. Same situation in our next game, Bruce, and that is Notre Dame. What an atmosphere. 
what they, they finally get some traction going, get the back-to-back scores and have the ball, but don't put it away with their offense. They leave it to their defense. We know how the thing ended uh, by now. Now they have to get back off the mat, travel to, you know, a little sleepy Durham. Well, Durham's not going to be sleepy this weekend. The first time that game day will be there broadcasting their pregame show. And Duke, how about them at a look-ahead spot? demolish UConn. I mean, they are covering and covering by wide margins. Now, Notre Dame here on the road, laying five and a half against the Blue Devils. Yeah, if if, if game day is in the Durham, it's usually with a Jay Billis uh, during a hoop season. <laughs> yeah. It's it's not usually in football, but um, now, now I have to mention something first here. I'm, I'm very well aware of uh, this Notre Dame regular season streak against uh, ACC teams. Uh, 29 now in a row. Uh, but there's a the magic 30, it's hard to get to 30 straight doing anything. And if you look at it, uh, first of all, that's a regular season. They did lose an ACC title game to Clemson in the COVID year when they played an ACC schedule. So they're not counting that one. And and almost all these games Notre Dame has won, they've been favored. Just a couple of times they were an underdog. And they hit the last few years when they played Florida State. Florida State was down. Virginia Tech's been down. Miami's been down. It's just worked out right for Notre Dame, these ACC teams, and where they've been playing them on the schedule that it's worked out. Totally different this week. The schedule, actually, I mean, Duke has been able to sort of look at this game for a couple of weeks, they've had Northwestern and UConn back-to-back. And like you said, Jimmy, took care of business at UConn, took care of business against Northwestern a couple of weeks ago. What they got to worry about at Duke right now is keeping Mike Elko around because somebody's coming after him. I wouldn't be surprised if Michigan State makes a big push for him. He's the real deal, very much the real deal. And uh, the way Duke's defense uh, upgraded last year as soon as Elko got there, but not just that, the offense was better than it was when David Cutcliffe was there. And part of it is Riley Leonard. We talked about Schrader a minute ago from Syracuse. Leonard is the same sort of quarterback, if maybe a little bit better than, than Schrader. New style, dual threat. He is a great runner. He makes it very hard to defend, and he throws the ball pretty well, too. And Duke is scoring a lot of points. A lot of confidence they got, too, after beating Clemson in the opener. Um, And like you said, again, the psychology. You're catching Notre Dame off the toughest possible defeat, and now you're going on the road this week. Schedule's going to start getting a lot tougher for Notre Dame here. Now it's tougher for Duke here, too, this week. But they've shown me enough. I think this is where the streak ends. I could see Duke winning this game outright, but as, as long as the odds makers are giving us a five and a half or so, let's take it with Duke plus the points, and that's who I like in Durham on Saturday. One of the things I like also is this spot for Syracuse and Duke is the first half line as these teams are still trying to kind of gather themselves emotionally. And, you know, when a team uh, takes care of business like Duke did against UConn in a massive look-ahead spot, that shows you a sense of maturity. And that's the thing we're doing our conference previews that just jumped out at me, looking at their two-deep depth chart back when we did the ACC preview. Juniors and seniors everywhere. I mean, everywhere. So they have massive uh, experience, including the 19 returning starters. Year two after a successful year one is a good sign as well. And Elko, anybody will tell you who knows him, he demands a level of physicality. Usually with a lower lower resource program that has success, it's done scheme-wise, you know, finesse-wise. Man, they're just they're just playing football, but and they also have a lot of experience and age on that roster. Duke plus the five and a half. Oklahoma is four and zero against the spread. They're at home laying nineteen against the Iowa State Cyclones. Iowa State got back on track a little bit with the cover last week after the ugly loss at U at Ohio. The Sooners here, Bruce, laying nineteen over the Cyclones. 
Yeah, one other thing. Uh, Elko beat Hartman last year when he was at Wake Forest, too, so he's seen Hartman before, so one other thing to consider in that Duke-Notre Dame game. Iowa State, well, well, they burned me a little last week. I guess we couldn't keep going to that under well for them all season long. That sure shaped up as an under last week against Oklahoma State. But what do you know? All of a sudden, Iowa State displays some offense last week. Now, they're still not running the ball all that well. But uh, Rocco backed at quarterback. What a game for him last week. 27-38, 378, three touchdown passes. Uh, and the offense scored 34 points against uh, Oklahoma State. So all of a sudden, they awoke last week. And uh, back... Um, I mean, he didn't figure to be the quarterback. We talked about the Deckers thing, how he had to step away from the team. But all of a sudden, he's looking a little bit more comfortable in there. And the Iowa State defense is still uh, very good. Uh, even the game, Ohio might be the best team in the MAC, and that's a game Iowa State could have, have easily won. Um, the Iowa game, they were very close. Uh, this defense is rock-ribbed. And, oh, by the way, in for several years now, um, since Matt Campbell's first team at Iowa State wasn't all that good, They've played Oklahoma extremely tough. Now, they haven't covered a, the last couple of games, but they've still been competitive. Last year, 27-13, when the offense uh, had some problems, but they were still within what this number would have been. And look at some of these other games. They've all been close the last five or six years with a couple of wins from Matt Campbell. And now that the offense uh, against Oklahoma, now that the offense is, looks like it's picking up a little bit with back to quarterback, you can always rely on that defense to show up. I would point this out about Oklahoma, and I still think – they're going to catch a break here because the Big 12 isn't quite as strong as it was last year, and I'm afraid my Oklahoma season under bet might not work. But look at the two. I mean, they've had four games, two against totally outclassed foes that Brent Venables ran up the score against uh, with Gabriel putting up big numbers at quarterback and everything clicking. But against SMU in Cincinnati, two Okay, not great teams. It wasn't it wasn't all one-way traffic there. I mean, and they were sort of struggling with Cincinnati some last week, and this SMU game was not that easy. Uh, Iowa State, with that defense, is at that level of those teams. And with Beck doing a little bit more offensively, I think they've got a shot to hang within this uh, 19 or so on Saturday. Like Campbell usually does, his team's, I mean, only that TCU game last year, which is the end of the season and where they got uh, boat raced, Usually their losses are pretty close because of that defense. And I think this is a lot of points to give Iowa State. And Oklahoma, you know, on the horizon is the Texas game coming up pretty soon. So um, they, this might not be a game for Oklahoma to be fully focused on either. Big number in Norman, uh, Oklahoma. Yeah, it was more of a defensive game last week against Cincinnati. No question about that, uh, plus the 19. All right, our final pick, the fifth pick for Bruce this week. And we go down to New Orleans. And... Uh, sleepy little comeback for Michael Pratt. Now, he was unbelievable uh, in the South Alabama opener. Uh, 14 of 15 and four TDs, only one incompletion. He was fine last week against an outmatched Nickel State team. 18 to 23 for 190 yards. That's 8.3 yards attempt. Solid. Two TDs, one interception. He ran another one in with his legs. Nine rushes for 33 yards and a TD. So that was a good game to kind of transition him back you would have to think he's a little closer to form this week as the Blazers come into town. UAB Greenies twenty-one and fifty-eight and a half. The total catches your attention, Bruce. Yeah, it does, and it's mostly because of uh, UAB and what they're doing with uh, with Trent Dilfer here. And uh, but to mention Pratt, yes, he came back last week, very effective in the first half. The uh, Tulane scored four TDs, uh, and uh, Coach Fritz. Uh, 
pulled back on the throttle in the second half and played Horvath and the others uh, cleared the bench. They, they were well ahead in that game. They were cruising, but the offense looked really good in the first half. I think anybody would look good against uh, UAB right now. Now, the, the higher here they made of Trent Dilfer, uh, I think makes, makes uh, uh, Colorado hiring Dion look tame by comparison. In fact, when you bring a guy up from the high school ranks like, like UAB did, and I know Dilfer's had experience as a Super Bowl quarterback and all that, but he has very little coaching experience. And, and that level of football in Tennessee – where he was coaching in Nashville. He, they have nine levels of high school football in Tennessee, and he was winning on the eighth level. So that's something to think about, too. He wasn't winning at the top level. And it wasn't like Jerry Faust at Notre Dame when he came from Moeller in the Cincinnati area. Moeller, I mean, Faust had dominated for years uh, with Cincinnati and uh, in Cincinnati with, um, with Moeller High. Not the case with the Dilfer. He's also brought some of his staff with him, and that includes the uh, the defensive coordinator who was with him last year at the high school level. So that was very, 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 very risky on the part of UAB to do this. Now watch some of these games UAB is playing thus far. One thing that uh, one thing that um, uh, Dilfer is doing, he's playing an aggressive style. They're playing very fast tempo to protect this defense. He's not really doing it. And look what happened the first, the last three weeks. Scored totals of 84, 62, and then last week 70 against a very disinterested Georgia side. So we got high 50s here this week. Uh, Dilfer's got Zeno really gunning this offense. They're not slowing things down to protect that defense. So this is going to be a very tough total to go under this week. I think they're going to go over because Tulane's going to score a lot of points. And Dilfer, he's trying to score with his team too. So they're playing games well, well pacing beyond this 58 and a half. This is an over, I think, down in New Orleans this week. Throw out the NCAA-NT uh, run-to-win opener, but Georgia Southern, uh, ULL, and Georgia, 46 and a third points scoring against this Blazers defense in those three. So that will put you just uh, 12 points away. Uh, from the total right there. Each and every week with Bruce Marshall, his best bets in college football right here on the Sports Betters Paradise. I'm Jimmy Ott for Bruce Marshall. This is the Bet Rivers Network.